0: And welcome to Season 2 of Between the Laps, the podcast incarnation of the awkward silence that follows a misjudged joke like that. It's been almost a year since season one ended, and much comedy water, and sadly also quite a lot of effluent, has flowed beneath our televisual bridges. Sit back, relax, and allow us to be your comedy water treatment plants, filtering the possible from the poo. We have ne- we have new sitcoms, new opinions, and even a new feature. My name is Rob Cowan, and I'm joined this week in Manchester by Paul Brunger, and Hello. down the line from Brighton, Mike Techman. Hello. 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 So, what have you two been enjoying in the off-season? <laughs> <laughs> wow, I, was, I put, put myself on manager holiday. Wrong <laughs>
1: podcast. <laughs> yeah, okay, sorry. That's that's probably why most of you, I've probably been listening to, to, to too much uh, quickly, Kevin, police score. Uh, and the other thing, obviously, we can't do comedy because that's, that's for the on season. Yeah. So for the off season, um, because my beautiful wife has never seen any television from the 90s. So Friends? we watched. No, apart from that, yeah, repeatedly that. Um, but other than that, so she decided, because new Star Treks were coming out, she wanted to watch uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, so we watched seven series of that.
2: <laughs> oh, wow. Wow, that's a lot of Star Trek. How, how long are the seasons?
1: Well, they're Americans. They're about 20 episodes oh. each, aren't they? Ooh,
2: that's a lot of Star Trek. And I like Star Trek, but it that's it pretty huh. intense.
1: I spe- well, especially when... F- seasons 3 and 4 i would say are uh, consistently uh, very good uh, the others less so
2: <laughs> right so
1: that's been that's been a draining experience
0: <laughs>
2: so uh, i'm really ready to
1: to, to watch some mandatorily selected comedy homework it's quite quite, um, quite
0: quite a feat of endurance you've you've achieved there <laughs> are you sure you're going to be ready for the new spot. season <laughs> oh, yeah not restful I, not restful the season fit. This is this is like uh, like when Beckham uh, would would play his off season in a different league. <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> I've been on loan on loan to Star Trek. Uh, how about
0: you Mike?
2: Well, uh, you know, after Paul just offered up such a relatable off season, uh, mine's I think it's going to be a little bit, you know, uh, a little bit uh, too highbrow, but I've been watching a lot of uh, a lot Of Love Island, like religiously, Um, (laughs) religious Love Island. Religion. Well, (laughs) uh, I've been religious in my in my appreciation of it. Uh, It's been, you know, it's been it's been to be honest. I've gone past being embarrassed about it. It's uh, it's now just who I am. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll come out, I'll get him. there's a couple of nights. So who are you? Yeah,
1: it's this. <laughs> can you, you summarize that? Who, who are you now?
2: <laughs> well, now I'm, I am the guy that you know. I was at um, I was at like a couple of gigs and uh, missed uh, missed was missing the episode and I, I got really anxious about it and uh, and you know. Got home and you know instantly got the laptop out and watched it on uh, ICP catch up. <laughs> well, nothing, I, you know, nothing really of note ever happened to Any of the episodes, it's just people in swimwear talking about uh, their relationships, but the relationships themselves consist entirely of conversations meta-textually <laughs> about the about the relationship itself. It's a it's a very weird sort of post relationship kind of way of uh, of viewing. Of viewing the self are you, are you trying to suggest that there's some intellectual strand to this I think it's um, I think it's the, the the application of post-modernism to to the to the the, the home to the relationships the to, to love I think that's uh, the final the final thrust of post-modernism Just... I think they all know what they're doing I think they all go on there having you know been fully dosed up on Sartre and uh, get Get you know really really deep into their sort of um, external appreciation of themselves of themselves.
0: So, so is the the island itself? Is that a metaphor? Uh,
2: yes, and the the, the, the perfect p- piece of the island uh, being a metaphor is it's actually not on an island at all. It's uh, it's on the mainland. It's just called an island. I did not
0: know that. It's no? a, it's a,
2: Where is it filmed? It's an island of the soul.
0: Korea. Somewhere in Spain. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> it's uh, yeah. The, the island is within the 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 contestants minds um premise of the show is that you have a selection of um very incredibly attractive people who do various they're at least 50 percent of them are instagram models um you get the odd kind of fireman or ballroom dancer or um there was a pharmacist those are all the
0: jobs you've listed all of the possible jobs there yeah that's it
2: you know as, <laughs> as you know all the jobs are are Instagram influencer fireman and pharmacist um, <laughs> so they get on the island and then they kind of they have to couple up with someone else um, and they're, they're basically there to try and find love um, and the public vote on their favourite couple and the winners at the end get 50 grand plus you know everybody gets a load of money in in instagram advertising deals but what i've really what i really like about it is that um s- serious serious people at like the jour- the guardian and stuff have got so into it that they've been there's there's at least two columnists that have a column that basically justifies love island to guardian readers so it, it'll <laughs> go each week there'll be something and they'll be like love island's really good because it's helping men talk about their feelings with each other when they're sitting by the pool uh, or whatever and it will it will kind of it's, it, there's a kind of cottage industry that's appeared of uh, um, <laughs> helping middle class people justify their obsession with Love Island to yeah, themselves yeah
1: them pretend it's helpful <laughs> or ironic or something like yeah, you're, just, look, you're just watching the you haven't got the 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 courage of your convictions to watch actual
0: pornography so you're watching this <laughs> thank you both for sharing what you've been enjoying in the off season um, for those of you new to between the laughs here's a quick primer every episode one of us picks a comedy off the Netflix or the Amazon or even off the real telly we all watch it and then we have a chat about it that chat is recorded painstakingly edited and then put onto the internet then you the listener somehow wind up listening to it which I think brings us up to date hello listener don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a review if you we've had some reviews actually in the off season very exciting we're averaging four and a half stars if you leave a if you leave a funny review I will definitely read it out next time Uh, we also do social media so please get in touch with your thoughts via twitter at between laughs instagram at between laughs facebook.com slash between the laughs or email us at between the laughs at gmail.com anyway this because it's the first episode of the new season this is a very special episode Um, ordinarily as smug members of the metropolitan liberal elite we review comedies that fit neatly both with our worldviews and our superiority complexes we watched Hannah Gadsby's Nanette and nodded sagely at the important learning points about gender non-conformity and unseen privilege. This week we've done some things that you don't have to. We have watched Mrs Brown's Boys release Paul and I have Mike couldn't be persuaded to sully his iPlayer algorithm so we'll be watching it live during the show so uh, Mike you better get started I think we've nominated you season three episode one a particularly fine um a classic of the genre uh, I would say Excellent. I don't know yeah, which genre get started.
2: but if you're gonna uh... get started
0: start with that if you can try not to laugh too loudly into the microphone because I don't want any clipping
2: <laughs> that, that shouldn't be an issue I don't think
0: <laughs>
1: do Yeah open minds here although it's interesting you mentioned the iPlayer algorithm I very consciously watched this on my wife's iPlayer account (laughs) and and rightly so because the the first thing that happened (coughs) when the episode uh, finished because there was only one episode of Mrs Brown's Boys on at the time I watched this uh, and it said well you've, you've exhausted all Mrs Brown's Boys would you like to watch
0: Citizen Calm oh no Yeah, so you get started, Mike. We'll we'll be checking in on you. Uh, Mrs. Brown's Boys has had three seasons, 34 episodes, a feature film spin-off, a live tour and a chat show. It's won a a Best Sitcom Batter, Multiple Royal Television Society Awards, and its 2013 Christmas special was the 10th most-watched programme out of every programme on TV that year in the UK. And for all its popularity, the critics hate it. Grace Dent and The Independent described it as the worst comedy ever. But what did we think of it, Paul?
1: So I tried to watch this, give it a very clean slate, a fair crack of the whip. Um, and I, in the interest of full disclosure, I consider myself quite a generous audience member. If I go and see some stand-up that is, even if it's genuinely bad, if I think the idea is good and, and that works in in... Rattling around in my brain, I, I laugh at that, and I I do want to give these people the benefit of the doubt. However, yeah, well, no. So the bar of expectation was low, uh, and I think it could have been a lot worse. <laughs> so, it, was, it was better than I thought it was going to be. There were, uh, I there were, I think four or five genuine laughs in the episode that I
0: watched as in you laughed out loud or
1: yeah like on the, so there's a recording of me having done this I recorded mm. it so I could kind of understand and look at my reaction we're going to release this and as a special feature on the yeah. DVD edition yeah exactly a teaser trailer um and yeah like there were there was a joke about a uh, the adverts in the newspaper that she, she read out about a gay bull. That was funny. I enjoyed that. Um, there was... To be fair, one of the laughs wasn't as intended because one of the jokes that they actually used in it is Mrs. Brown Boys at one point goes, does this smell like chloroform to you? Oh, yeah. And I was like, that's such... It's, it's not a good joke, but it's also not her joke. It's his joke. It's... Yeah, you know, the oldest, most ancient sort of. You just think oh, it, got, it got an
0: uproarious response, there, not yeah. it? Yeah,
1: and Which... someone's been paid on the <laughs> telly to say that line, and they've been given money. Yeah, and it's f- so, so. I mean, I think that's it in terms of the jokes. There were some genuine laughs, but I felt the gaps between things I would refer to as a joke were long at times. <laughs> it could do with an editor to really say that the. You know, there needs to be more funny moments in this per unit.
0: Funny enough, that's that's what the iTunes review said of us as <laughs> well. <Yeah. laughs>
1: well, you're the editor of this. <laughs> this is your fault. <laughs> um, so, not not yeah, not too long between jokes. Not good enough. Um, where they really recycle really old stuff. Um, but you're right. There is this thing where the audience really reacts to it, and the bit that actually or sort of got to me more than that, is it's like the Friends Ross and Rachel thing all over again. They've got the audience when there's a, an emotional beat to it because the re, one of the reason the jokes are so spread apart is because they're trying to tell you a nice story about the family and what's going on. So in the episode that, that I watched, one of the kids is going to move to Australia and that's a big emotional thing. Uh, and there's a, there's a supposedly emotionally affecting bit between Mrs. Brown and the grandchild, the the son of the people who are going to emigrate, and the audience give it a big, ah, oh. it's not, I didn't give a fuck, I don't care about these people. Um, feck. Yeah, exactly, don't give a feck about it, exactly. And so there's this whole thing that there's a real emotional story there that I don't think is there. I mean, to be fair, I joined in, you know, Series 3, Episode 1, as we said, <laughs> uh, so maybe I've missed something, but I don't, perhaps... It's got such nuance and depth that you have to have watched the other series to get the jokes, um, but I suspect not. In terms, in terms of what did work, though, the stuff where they, or the way they supposedly uh, get it a bit wrong, and then you know they leave it in. And the studio audience think it's hilarious because they think they've seen something go wrong and they mess around and supposedly ad-lib it. And it seems very much like they don't to me. A a lot of it definitely seems like it's not been (laughs) ad-libbed. But but those are by far the strongest bits. And uh, the bits where they pretend to get it wrong. And I mean, the the fact that they're pretending isn't a sin in itself. Bottom live... Uh, is very funny and that is full of bits where they were making the same mistake every night and people were laughing at it and it was great. but those are by far the best bits I think of the of the actual jokes.
0: I, I found I just found that yeah the jokes there were jokes and they weren't all terrible some of them were a lot of them were but so, but every reaction to the jokes both from the studio audience and also from the from the actual cast members. Um, was ridiculously exaggerated. Uh, I, I was a little bit concerned that the audience might actually be hostages that are trying to prove <laughs> their loyalty to their captors. It was Stockholm so, syndrome. It was so over the top. It was very strange. Um, there's one scene uh, in uh, episode I watched a few weeks ago. I watched rather more episodes than uh, than than certainly Mike has. Um, <laughs> and um, the audience uh, went completely wild uh, about. Uh, a scene in which Mrs. Brown did a hoedown dance and occasionally banged Grandad over the head with a tea tray. And during this scene, Grandad was wearing a crash helmet. And as far as I could tell, there was no reason for him to be wearing a crash helmet other than that, that that was what was going to happen to him. He was going to have a tea tray banged over his head as part of a hoedown by Mrs. Brown. The, the whole thing, I mean, it, I, I get that it's supposed to be silly, but it is all very, very contrived. Everything, the, the jokes... Don't fit naturally into the flow of the of the of the yeah. dialogue. Instead, the dialogue is worked around a joke. And now the strength of the jokes isn't strong enough to make that an acceptable thing to do, in my opinion. Um, they uh, there's a clearly a really good rapport between the, the cast members. I think they were all mates before they they They're all uh, family aren't they? They're all related. I, I think some of them certainly are. Yeah. So that, there's a, there's obviously a really good good rapport between them there. I just, I mean, I just, it's just not, it's not, there are, there have been worse things on TV, yeah. but if you ask me to name something worse, and we've had this conversation on the show before, uh, something worse that has received this degree of acclaim and three seasons and all the spin-offs and everything else. And the, frankly, this number of viewers, you know, being a, a staple at, uh, of Christmas day television, if you go back about five years, it's hard. I can't. I can't think of anything that is that is more out of whack with its uh, with its reputation than than this. I,
1: I think. Mean, it, I think. I think you're right though. In my notes, at one point, I wrote literally fine, uh, <laughs> and that to be fair, that was early doors, and I did get did get worse than fine at one point. one, one particular point where they reuse uh, a joke about Mrs Brown's been hypnotised and she has to act like a dog.
0: Um, oh, they wait, get a lot a of mileage word. out of that. We don't know any spoilers because this no. is the episode that Mike's watching. No, <laughs> right how are you getting on, Mike?
2: Uh, so yeah, they, the woman's still hypnotised. There's a man dressed as a as a drill, and uh, the drill bit is at crotch height, which is you know pretty. It's pretty pretty edgy
0: I haven't heard you laughing Uh, very much have have you laughed out yet have you
2: laughed I feel really sad (laughs) just like (laughs) the bit where they so there's a gay son right and yeah that's very
0: subtly done isn't it there's no way
2: (laughs) I I mean you know not conforming to any particular stereotype but he did come down in a pink shirt with a pink feather scarf on or something
0: yes Um, I believe he wears that in every episode I've seen
2: just in case, just in case, uh, anybody
0: forgets that he's the gay son, and also, as I think the first the first line that Mrs. Brown says after he comes into the room is a slightly homophobic joke as well.
2: Yeah, um, it is. Yeah, she's just been reading about a gay bull, um, which, is, which Paul
0: identified as, as one of his favourite jokes a few moments ago. So, <laughs> the, gay, the gay bull joke did make me laugh. That was good.
2: it's just um, like and the bit I found really strange is when they all broke character to 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 do do a line again like it's it's really it's really rolling in the fact that it's it's being recorded live Um, and I know we sort of spoke about this last time we chatted about this um, when we were doing the IT crowd um, yeah and that that idea of of a live audience of the audience being integral to it but it 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 just feels a bit of a crutch um (laughs) and i think i'm trying to i was trying to think of the last sort of the last sort of like sitcoms that had so much buzz about them in the uk that weren't sort of like centered around a particular demographic or whatever and i'm sort of in my head comparing it to like um, Gavin and Stacey, which I don't think we've done on the show yet, but obviously is is just a very lovely show. Yes. <laughs> it's just a really funny, very lovely who, show. Mike, who, who um, do you think is supposed to be watching this?
1: Because on one hand, it's very retro, as you say, yeah. live audience, sort of has that Saturday night, we all gather around and watch it. But it also has a lot of swearing and jokes about conlangers in it,
0: so I don't. Yeah, I don't think it's. Frankly, it's aimed at the same demographic as as uh, Brexit. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't there's, no, there's no. nicer way of saying that, but it, but it, almost every. I suspect if you if you looked at the demographics of both, there would be quite a lot of overlap. Um, so, uh, not. Metropolitan, so not people not living in cities, but people uh, who can more identify with um, kind of small town, popping into your neighbour's house, all that sort of thing. Mm. Um, from a, a, a previous era as well. I mean, the way that the characters dress, um, certainly the way Mrs Brown yeah. mis- mis- and, and the old the decoration lady, in the house—they're they're all yeah—they're all dressed like it's. Uh, they're, they're dressed like old ladies used to dress in the '80s and '70s and '80s. Yeah,
1: um,
0: they are broad strokes. There's a broad strokes 1970s homosexual
1: dress coded it and the 1970s OAP dress coded it. Yeah. Um, and I mean, even, even yeah. the younger yeah. buster, the sort of Jack the, the Lad's ne'er-do-well rogue one. Yeah. Um, he dresses yeah. like he's been played by Lee Nelson. So yeah. He's like a 20-year
2: out of Yeah, he does. Yeah, he rogue. looks like a like a late 90s yeah. chap. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's, it's all very, you know, there's, there's nothing that's going to Remind you that it's 2019 and these are the problems that you face. It's all, it's all. Oh, this is what TV used to be like. I saw an interview the other day. I I can't remember why I I was I was watching this, but I I was doing a little bit of research for the podcast, and I I ended up watching a a clip of an interview with Jim Davidson and Bobby Davro. uh, On on it gets worse. It was being interviewed by (laughs) Piers Morgan, and. um Oh, man and, and they described their their audience or they sorry they described themselves as uh, being kind of the antithesis they didn't use that word but they, they, they describe themselves as being the antithesis <laughs> of the the university comedians they say you know TV is full of university comedians now whereas people who go along to see our
2: shows they'll just have a really good time there's some some funny jokes the other thing that I'm sort of I've been puzzling as I've been watching this is I don't understand why I don't understand why Mrs. Brown is a cross dresser. Like, I don't understand. Is that is that a source of humour? Is that just that she that Brendan um, what's to say Brendan O'Carroll um, couldn't find anyone that he wanted to play Mrs. Brown? Is it just that it's his character yeah, and he wanted I, to?
1: I think it's the latter. I, I do because at no point that I've noticed do they really do. You know, like the, the the couple of episodes that I've now seen, I've now seen sort of two and a bit episodes, <laughs> and, uh, and the, I, I didn't notice any jokes in those uh, where it's a source of humour. That it, I think it's just it's his crest. I mean, I, I I wouldn't necessarily have guessed it was a guy if I didn't already very clearly know that. And he, he has stubble. Well, I wasn't. But he's got a lot of makeup <laughs> on him.
0: Yeah. Well, actually, the episode... I've just been watching an episode this afternoon. Uh, I think it's the episode that follows the one Mike's watching at the moment. And um, there's a there's a part in that where he wears an inflatable gras. Uh, the, the background story to that is, is quite ridiculous. But I, I, I suspect that plays a little bit on the joke. Actually, I think in the episode that... that um, Mike's watching now. Again, no spoilers. Sorry, Mike, but you might want to cover your ears here. But there's a, there's a, or, or, there's a, for the next half an hour yeah, or so, there's a, there's a moment towards the end where where um, Mrs Brown does a striptease for a priest, and, and that well, w- that well, I might skip ahead to that.
2: <laughs> I don't understand where that's coming out, but uh, <laughs> oh, is the yeah. hell
0: interesting? Uh, and, uh, you'll um... see.
2: And, and that, but but that, I think,
0: would would only have. Uh, generated the laughs that it generated because it was being played by a, a, a middle-aged man in stockings. Yeah,
2: and and I think I think the other thing I, I was I was expecting to find more of it like uh, I was expecting to find something offensive. You know, uh, I, my my conception of it before I started watching it was that it's um, it was very like. Kind of retrograde, and that there would be out some outdated ways of um, betraying gay people or women or something like that. And apart from a couple of like, uh, apart from the silk some, shirts, basically, and, yeah, yeah. Apart from some some pretty. Uh, some some gay some gay character uh, stereotyping. I've not found it's all been pretty harmless. It's very yeah. it's very you know it's 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 kind of it's very you know like it's keeping up appearances or those
1: characters. No, because I think you know she she very much uh, loves that son and gets on well with his yeah. partner more so than than some of the more traditional partners. Uh, I think the characters are drawn in enormously broad strokes. But actually, it is vaguely yeah. positive in the fact that, well, yeah, she's yeah, very yeah. accepting of all these uh, different, different, radically different, broadly drawn offspring that
2: she has. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think so. I think, and, and that's that's sort of been something that sort of surprised me pleasantly about mm. it. I don't think the humour is particularly funny. I think it's they're all uh, jokes that have been chewed up and recycled, you know, yeah. hundreds of times. None, no, nothing, nothing. I mean, you could take a lot of this plot and plunk it in an episode of The Simpsons or an episode of, of Only Fools yeah. and Horses or Dad's Army or whatever, and it, it it's all kind of retread, but it, not everything has to be cutting edge or, you know, changing the yeah. changing the way we think about comedy. Um,
0: it's fulfilling this need for like, this old-fashioned sitcom, uh, but it's it's not reaching back into time and using kind of old-fashioned opinions within it it's kind of a sanitised yes. yeah. version of some of the things that were on the in the seventies. I suspect that you just simply wouldn't see repeated. Um, yeah, it's moved it's mm. moved on a
1: bit, and its attitudes definitely from that, or, or even considerably, given that those sort of family sitcoms. You know, you did used to get a lot of tears about oh well, backs to the wall, ha 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 all that sort of nonsense. Yeah, I mean, I do think it's funny you say. You could have put any of it in straight into The Simpsons or any into other family sitcom. Because after I'd watched the first episode I watched, I felt like I'd basically seen all of the episodes uh except yeah. in a different 1970s sitcom plot in all of them. But I mean even the fact that and you you're probably best placed to give a view on this, Rob, but I um in the recording of me watching the first episode we watched, I said I've got a feeling, I've basically seen all of these episodes now, I bet the guy who comes in with the uh, drill cock that Mike referred to earlier and the guy who comes in dressed as a Barbie in a box, I bet they come in every week in a costume looking like an idiot. And the next one I watched, he came in dressed as Frankenstein.
0: Yeah, and and I've seen an episode where he comes in dressed as something else. I think his job might be one Of those people who stand the side of the roads advertising things in costumes, but I'm right. just guessing that based on the fact that he's wearing, uh, branded, no but he's wearing branded costumes, things like that. Yeah, I, I mean, one thing that that bugs me about uh, about the show, um, one other thing is um, is just how how little care has been taken to try and make, make it work. Almost they need a character to come in and tell a joke, so that character walks into the room at that moment, says what's needed and then leaves yeah. and there's, there's you know there's, there's yeah. no
2: it's there's, uh, it's not a storytelling it's, a, there's not, it's not trying to tell a story it's not trying to sort of like no there's no it's internal not, consistency it's, is there
1: it's, it, that, that goes for what you've just <laughs> said there and for this point that sometimes it'll try and be really surreal and Granddad will be wearing a crash helmet because he's required to do it for a joke yeah. but not all of it is surreal if you're, if you're doing a surrealist comedy where someone's suddenly wearing a crash hat you can probably do that in black books where people are making towers out of soup and things like this but you probably can't do it at the same time as trying to go oh isn't it sad my grandson's moving to Australia and I'll have to pretend to not like him so he'll go and and it's just there's no it doesn't obey its own rules there's no rule set that captures what's supposed to be going on it's just I've thought of slash read some jokes from a joke book and we're going to act them out (laughs) and we're going to enjoy acting out with each other because we're all related or good friends and we all get on and our audience will like it because they like us um, but yeah, it's not been crafted yeah. at all.
0: I mean, all, all credit to, uh, to to Brent was it Brendan O'Carroll? Yeah. I mean, he's created something which, while it, it's it is different from you know, it, it's hard to go, <laughs> oh, it's, it's exactly like this other thing. It's not necessarily good, but it's it's clearly generated yeah. a big fan base. It's, no. it's not. That awful. Actually, as we have this conversation, I'm yeah. sitting, thinking back and thinking, actually, you know, I'd quite like to have finished that episode I was watching before. I'd like to know what happened to those inflatable boobs. Did you? No. I'd definitely die. I'm know. not going to go back and watch it. But, and I would never have watched it were it not for this uh, this podcast. But I fine. You know what? There are worse things on TV. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. was, I was re-listening re- to, uh, to one of our episodes... <laughs> The other day I was listening to uh, a very, very popular episode about Fleabag. In that that episode, we actually have a brief discussion about Mrs. Brown's voice from the perspective of us never having watched it, which (laughs) I thought was particularly uh, mean-spirited of us. But that was in the context of us being really angry about uh, the success of Big Bang Theory. Oh, f- yeah, big well, bang exactly. I think, I think I think you're not going to say the same thing about Mrs. Brown's Boys, are you?
2: No, it's I harmless. It's, I it's...
1: Did more genuine laughs at this than I have done at Big Bang Theory. Yeah. I think. Well, it's a question I ask myself when Is this the worst thing we've watched for the purposes of this?
0: Podcast. Oh, absolutely. The, the worst thing we've deliberately... But this is the first time we've deliberately set out to watch something that, that one of us didn't go, oh, this is really good, we should watch this. I,
1: you know, yeah. I've i tried to make picks like that before, but then they've gone off Netflix, presumably because they weren't very good. <laughs> and I was wrong. I don't <laughs> <laughs> only be watching them, in the, in the, in the, being contrarian and enjoying Actually...
0: There was, there is one thing that that we we never actually did the episode for, and maybe we'll come back to it. But you did, I think Mike nominated that we should watch Enchanted, which is the um, a disenchanted, the, disenchanted. Yeah. Sorry, the 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 Mac, Mac Groening, um, I watched
2: the whole. I, I watched it, the whole season I watched of that. Yeah,
0: about two thirds of the first episode, and really didn't enjoy it. And to be honest, I probably maybe I should go back to that and, and give it another go. But I think I probably got more pleasure from watching Mrs Brown's Boys than I did from that. It's it's fascinating to listen to this. Having done, having
1: done the revision of watching my recording and of doing this, because one of the things I say is this is better than the first episode of Disenchanted. Absolutely true. (laughs) Um, I also, I mean, interestingly, I also because I was the one who didn't really enjoy. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, having only watched mm. the early years of it, I admit, etc., all those sort of caveats. But I think, only, I think, Always Sunny in Philadelphia was probably funnier than this. But actually, in terms of its attitudes and so on, say probably the same as as, as you, Mike, expecting this might have some <coughs> ropey, problematic attitudes in it, and finding out that it didn't yeah. really—that I noticed. Yeah. No. Um, on that level i you know th- these these were seems to be some nice people having a nice time which is not something i felt when i watched it's always Something in
2: philadelphia so interesting yeah no i agree i, th- I think it's um it's obviously it's it's obviously just it's trying it's trying to just serve up some jokes they're, they're simple jokes they're not they're not trying to tell a story and i think obviously there is a there must be a desire for that style of sitcom where it is just kind of those you know people floating around yeah. firing out jokes it's a jokes. phenomenally big um, cast that's floating around isn't it I mean, yeah. there's, there's
1: some people in yeah. this cast who are stealing a living because they literally like you said they come in say a thing and that's it that's, that's all they have to do that week they're gone again
0: I know we've had conversations before yeah. about uh, I think I think again for Always Sunny in Philadelphia Paul you, you said when you first watched it that you struggled to tell the difference in the, the, the men characters and there are only really four or five main characters in that I have got no idea who most of the people in Mrs. Brown's boys are. We were trying to, just before we started recording, we we were trying to work out which of them were the children of Mrs. Brown. Mm. We believe there are six children we got That's we got right five plus I think there might be one who lives overseas but <laughs>
1: we weren't sure about one of the five either so yeah. uh,
0: I mean, who, who is Buster who, who's Buster because you thought he was about to be a neighbour I you? don't think Buster's related I think he's because the way he's treated slightly differently I feel like he's uh, like, a, like the mate of that son who wears the costumes the whole time oh, right, but, I mean okay. we're coming at this in the middle mm. season maybe if we'd watched uh, episode one season yeah. one sadly not on <laughs> I can, I- can I- we not find <laughs> that out please
1: yeah
0: <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I've, I've watched it enough.
1: <laughs> You've not even minutes. finished the first episode. yet. What was your favourite? What was your favourite joke in it, Rob?
0: My favourite joke in it. Um, oh, actually, um, no. I tell you what. The drill. There was. The they, drill they cock. Riffed, Not the actual. Not the actual costume, but they they riffed very briefly. This is. I'm not saying these were good jokes. They riffed on, on the theme of drills for. Uh, about 10 seconds. <laughs> by far
1: the strongest is the riff, whether it's made up or not, by far the strongest bit is the riffing. In the in the other episode I watched uh, <laughs> earlier on today, they do the bit about Venice, and I think there's a bit where Mrs. Brown changes a way that she's supposed to use in the joke, because I think when they talk about one of the characters is going to go on holiday to Venice, and she says, oh, yes, they'll all be going along in the gonorrhea, uh, and the other actor then cut co- the gaze on corpses at that and he finds it hilarious and, I, and then he then says oh don't you mean the Gorgonzola so I think maybe the line was scripted as the Gorgonzola which isn't that funny yeah and then she's done that to make him corpse no my genuine favourite bit is after they do this bit where he corpses because she said the, the gonorrhea and he goes oh do you not know I mean the, the Gorgonzola oh yes and they sort of calm down a bit but he's still corpsing he laughs a lot. Uh, but uh, he laughs a lot more than he should. <laughs> oh, no. Absolutely true. But the, but the plot is him having issue with his partner. So he's supposed to be distraught about that. Yeah. He's just completely corpsed. And then yeah. Mrs. Brown goes so why are you so sad <laughs> while he's still skivoring and that really made me laugh mad. that was that genuinely was my that is my favourite my favourite moment of Mrs Brown's Boys Maybe. which is not a thing I thought I could ever in good conscience say
0: if after all that you still want to watch it Mrs Brown's Boys is available on BBC iPlay in the UK Netflix in the US and probably at the bottom of a DVD basket in all good motorway service stations but please only watch it on free sources because if you pay money to watch it that's
1: akin to funding terror. Terrorism (laughs)
0: Um, Don't forget uh, we'd like to hear what you you think of of, uh, Mrs. Brown's boys you can get in touch with us on Twitter at Between Laughs Instagram at Between Laughs Facebook.com slash Between The Laughs or email us at Between the Laughs at gmail.com Now as it's a, a new season of Between The Laughs we've got a new feature to end the show Um, So what I've done in advance of the show, I've used an AI random tagline generator, a website, to produce a couple of taglines that have been shared with Mike and Paul before the show. Their task is to pitch these taglines to me as a sitcom idea, and I will pick the one that I most want to see made into a pilot. I want to know the location, the cast, plot arcs, theme music, everything. Um, The title of this new feature... I've got 99 sitcoms, but this pitch ain't one. (laughs) <laughs> Mike has promised to make us a jingle I'm going I'm to say this on air <laughs> Hold him to that
2: I'll get Yay, out of my drum machine so so,
0: um, <laughs> so here's the uh, so Paul uh, you, you want to go first this is the okay. the tagline that I've allocated to you uh, a hysterical dessert chef a melodramatic hypochondriac and a disenchanted district attorney resolve their differences at a bus station Pitch away. Okay, I will attempt
1: to pitch to this. I hadn't realised that they were randomly generated. Uh, I, just I did not write these. No, I just thought you'd had a stroke. <laughs> <No. something else. laughs> um, so, okay. I mean, my first question, when when given this uh, this brief, was I mean, there's a couple of words in here that have multiple potential meanings. So I was trying to understand whether whether my dessert chef was meant to be hysterical, as in he's just a really funny. Guy, or whether he genuinely has some you have problems. Complete, complete creative freedom. Creative this is your control. sitcom. I will decide if it gets made. Okay, I, I, despite having made a big point out of this, I probably ignored it in the pitch that follows. <laughs> so I, I think similar to Mrs Brown, I kind of wanted to draw this in quite broad strokes. So I think my dessert chef is gonna have to not be English. Um, he's gonna have to be continental. Uh, ideally, you would have been French to keep those strokes as broad as possible. But I couldn't think of a uh, an appropriate French comedian or actor for the the the, the slot.
0: You have seen the lower low, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, but Gordon Kay's yeah, given that Gordon Kay's dead and John Renault's so he- probably too expensive, I thought I'd <laughs> give it to Henning Vane on the basis that they're both confidential. Yeah, I know, but that's my point. I couldn't okay, think of any French people. Fine. So he's going to be my hysterical. Uh, dessert chef. chef. Yeah. Yeah. The the district attorney obviously is also going to have to be non-british mm-hmm. because we don't have district attorneys within our legal system so i thought okay needs to be- you know that actors are allowed to act <laughs> outside of their own accents uh, he's already gonna have to be in the ludicrous situation that he's a district attorney at a bus station which would never that would never happen so no
0: i'm not uh, i don't think they're particularly well paid so it's possible that they would be using a bus would they I mean, you're allowed to use a bus if you are well-paid as well, but if that's the stereotype you're playing with there, uh, I, I don't think a district dis- dis- totally. you know, they're public pr- public prosecutors, aren't they? They're not... They're not um...
1: But they always go to the... in, the, in, in a police procedure, so it's always oh, go down to the DA's office and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so it's, a big deal is made of DA's in that. I just assume they're important
0: and rich. Well, they're, they're, they're prosecutors, aren't they? That's what they are. Anyway, I feel feel this is. (laughs) I shouldn't interrupt. (laughs) I'd be a terrible executive.
1: Is this is this why we're not making this? Because my knowledge of the US legal system pay grades is not uh, where it (laughs) should be. Anyway, what I've said for my DA uh, is sort of someone from the Will Ferrell set, but cheaper. Um, Okay. Yeah. Something. Someone. Yeah. Again, pretty broad strokes. I want someone who can shout to everyone. Um, but I don't really require more from them than that. Um, and then my hypochondriac, who's uh, going to be played by James Acaster, because he looks ill. Good. Yeah.
0: Uh, and then
1: I kind of, I got to thinking, well, actually, these three people stuck at a bus station, apart from the fact it sounds like a sitcom waiting for Godot, it, I mean, it definitely, I felt it lends itself more to being sort of a play than a sitcom, so I thought I needed to add in some more people. Uh, to it, so I've, I've, I've come up with two other roles, uh, which are uh, one of the bus drivers who keeps stopping at the bus station, uh, and they're going to dispense earthly wisdom to the three characters. So I think I'm going to get Sarah Milliken uh, to play the the, the worldly earthly wisdom bus driver. Good um and that'll really undercut sort of the the high fluting university comedian stylings of james acaster and and cheap will ferrell and henning vane um and then i thought oh we could have an elderly passenger waiting for the bus um one with a sort of a a heart of gold and but who's a bit gone in the head you know they're not they're not at the peak of the mental powers anymore, uh, and that leads lots of hilarious misunderstandings. What, what I'd really like is is sort of a grand dame of the of the British sort of theatre crowd, maybe like a Judy Dench even or someone like that. But I figured actually, what would generate more press for the sitcom is if we just get Sarah Millican to play that one too, but done up in old makeup. So that's that's what that's going to be. <laughs> then my plan is we're talking about the relationships between the characters in a sitcom
0: bear in mind this this is your elevator pitch Yeah, uh, how tall is this building it's a big, big,
1: well I was just in Taiwan I've just gone up the ninth tallest building in the world this week so that's the elevator this, I'm using this is more like the great glass elevator <laughs> but you didn't say elevator you said pitch <laughs> well, I've brought I'm a binder I've brought a now. binder so the old lady is going to love the pastry chef because he's so interesting and, and foreign uh, the hypochondriac is going to take care of the old lady uh the bus driver is going to dispense earthly wisdom the hypochondriac to help him with his life problems and the da is going to be frustrated by all of them and by the concept of buses in general um and then for some reason we then have to finish up each episode on them not getting the bus so that the status quo can be maintained and they're still at the bus so
0: this is so it's this is not just the pilot episode in the bus station but every episode will be in the bus station well, that—that that your. No, this is your sitcom. That, that, was, just, the, that just...
1: was the brief was no, 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 They resolve no, the differences no, at bus station, yeah, so they yeah. need to
0: resolve the differences
1: <laughs> every week in the bus station. Get back to the status quo on which they do not catch the bus, and then yeah. the series finale: the old lady can catch the bus or something.
0: Okay. And then setting up for a season two in a different bus station, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. At the other end of different, the megabus. Different
1: elderly maybe we we'll could <laughs> yeah. have got Judy in season yeah.
0: two. <laughs> okay, thank you very much, Paul. I will uh, I will give that due consideration when it when it comes around to our p- pilot season. Uh, I was going to call it Last Stop. <laughs> last Stop. Thank you very much. That's a good point. Title. Yeah. Last Stop. Good. Mike, uh, your your tagline was the jolly novelist husband, or the hairstylist finds a magic lamp in Africa.
2: Yeah, so my first thought for this was I want it to be kind of quite whimsical, obviously, because Mm -hmm. they found the magic lamp. Um, But obviously, by being married to a hairstylist, it grounds our jolly novelist quite a lot, so it could work as a sort of like uh, kind of trippy kind of live action one but I th- that live action comedy but I thought it might be quite quite cool if oh. it was an animated comedy um, I thought the, the kind of general format would be that the novelist has found this magic lamp um, and they're so excited about the idea of having this magic lamp that's going to allow them to um, you know create have all these wishes to uh, that we'll be able to like you know write the, the greatest novel because they've experienced all these awesome things um, though I suppose it's less of a novel more of a memoir but anyway they, um, they'll be able to write such a great book thanks to that lamp that will give them these experiences they're too nervous to use it because they don't want to waste any um, any wishes uh, and it will kind of centre around the novelist like going around exploring traveling trying to find the perfect uh wish to make um so the 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 brief didn't give me mention of a genie but i think the the genie is going to be a part of the cast and i think maybe is pretty exasperated with the novelist um so in terms of because the sort of the novelist is just very you know, they're jolly and cheerful, but they're really keen not to make a mistake with this, this, this wish they've got. Um,
1: Did he ever make any wishes? I think,
2: I, I, I think <laughs> probably not. I think probably never. I think I'm just going to I'm going to blue ball the audience on the wishes thing. Uh, just constantly get them pretty close to making a pretty cool wish. And then oh, like this. Um, yeah. something will set them off from not having the wish. Um, I think... I'd quite like the, hus- the the hair stylist to be Jack D voicing that, um, just because I think it'd be quite funny to have Jack D as the husband as as the the novelist's husband, um, because you know I can totally imagine Jack D being married to someone who's going off on whimsical adventures while he's kind of cutting hair. Um, <laughs> I've
1: always thought that about. <laughs>
2: I've always thought that about Jack D, and I've always felt that was the the thing that's really sort of taken Jack D out of uh, out of the public eye recently is not being a, ha- not having enough um, shows being made about hairstylists <laughs> whose husbands go and uh, <laughs> go around the world with their genie. So I think Jack D's going to be the the, the, the yep. hairstylist the novelist the jolly novelist probably gonna be Johnny Vegas
0: (laughs) great couple
2: (laughs) (laughs) and then I think the genie I think maybe I'd quite like an American genie I'm thinking someone someone like Amy Poehler yeah as the genie but maybe not Amy I don't know if she can do exasperating I kind of really want exasperating maybe like Sarah Silverman um she's done she's done voice acting before she can you know really upskill everybody else in it Uh, and you know I think she could probably do do genie that's just like I'm thinking maybe she's from New York right so she could be like just a bit of a pissed (laughs) off New Yorker that's trying to sort of trying to get a a wish out of Johnny Vegas so that she can like kind of move on Um, like a really annoying taxi driver that's her that's her vibe yeah, exactly, exactly like that, exactly <laughs> like that. Uh, but also nothing like that. Have you got that. a title for um, your sitcom? Um, I think probably, probably wishful thinking.
0: Oh. oh. Strong, <laughs> that's very <good>. So, <laughs> thank you very much, both of you. I'm, i as a, as a, I feel like an enormous weight of uh, quite a burden on me now as a, as an executive in, in NBC, as you rightly at should the start a pitching season. <laughs> um, I'm just thinking about the, the finances of it. I don't know what's cheaper, like a, a massive cast like Paul's, including Dame Judi Dench, or a cartoon with voice actors. Uh, you could probably double up with the cartoon. You can probably double up a lot of the the, the bit parts it can be done by multiple actors, like in The Simpsons. So, so that might save a little bit of money. But uh, moving away from the finances, um, I, I think definitely I want to. I would rather watch the sitcom about the uh, the cartoon sitcom about the the magic lamp in Africa because it's got Johnny Vegas and uh, Jack D. and Sarah Silverman in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the casting, the casting. The cast- everything but, about it and the title. The, the, the I would Beckettian... Watch- if that popped up on Netflix, you imagine that, Wishful Thinking popping up on Netflix. Uh. Recommended because you enjoyed Big Mouth. I'd watch it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what I would have had to have watched to be recommended the dis- sitcom on the bus station. <laughs> I, I suspect sh- Mrs. Brown's Boys uh. actually. <laughs> no, no. I'm, I'm thinking it's going to
1: be much more bleak better <laughs> than that I think if you'd watched uh, a national theatre live production recorded to Netflix of uh, Waiting for Godot or even
0: uh, The Crucible okay the street, no on. exit so that's what you would get 100% then this is Mike's because that is not that is not a commercially viable uh, sitcom this is a commercial channel I'm representing um, so yeah congratulations Mike you are the inaugural winner of I've Got 99 Sitcoms but this pitch yes. ain't one <laughs> thank you very much to everyone for listening to episode oh. 1 of season 2 of Between the Last we, be, we will be back in one short month uh, where we'll be looking at uh, to cut in contrast to Mrs Brown's boys we'll be what, talking Talking about dairy girls, uh, which uh, I hope we'll enjoy more. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Mike. Say goodbye to the good people.
1: Thank you, Mike. The good
2: people. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.